0: YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Watch out, episode 36. Here we are. Boy, do we have a potluck lunch full of shit to talk about today. Um, So... He- check it out. When you hear this today, I'm re- actually recording this on, uh, September the 8th, 2000 and, uh, 21. By the time you hear this, it will be, um, I think this, this episode is going to come out September the 27th of 2021. And that's going to come out on the, um, the 30th anniversary of my uncle Jerry's death. And my uncle Jerry was my mother's, brother. And he was killed in a motorcycle accident at 41 years uh, old. And it was actually on his birthday that he was killed. And I remember that day, like yesterday, walking in the house and my father telling my mother the news and my mother screaming. And I was in the back and, uh, what real quick, long and short is he was only, he, he was motorcycling with somebody else and they were test driving each other's bikes and he got on the back of one of the motorcycles to ride with somebody. Uh, there was an accident ahead of them. They swerved out of the way. Uncle Jerry went airborne and hit a tree face first and um, died of internal injuries. His wife was behind um, like a little while in traffic. So she eventually made her way up there. And she got to have her last words as he was laying there dying. And that was 30 years ago. Um. So having said that, it it just makes me think, man, 30 years that went by a blink of an eye and I'm 43 now. That means in another blink of an eye, I'll be 73. And that's what keeps me doing the things that I want to do in life. I think about things like that and I keep, I keep life in that perspective. I'm like, if I live that long, that's going to be another blink of an eye and I'm going to be an old ass man. So I don't want to wait for the right time to do the things that I love to do the things I want to do. There is no right fucking time there. There's never a right time to do anything. I hear people all the time. Well, we're going to, when we have enough money, we're going to do this. When we, we're going to do this at the right time. Like, fuck all of that. You better start living now. My man said it best in Shawshank Redemption. And I don't, I think I may have said this before, get busy living or get busy dying. And choose one because time's running out. I don't live by motivational quotes. I don't live by motivational sayings. And you know, when you see people post them on social media, the memes where people are being all uplifting and stuff, cause you know, that shit lasts 20 seconds of the day and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. And then 30 seconds after that reality sets in and you forget all about that. But Something happened the other day, somebody sent me something and I was inclined to save it in my phone because this has made the most sense to me since I started doing these podcasts. I've never, this thing hit me right in the face and it's about everything that we talk about on here. I want to read this to you and tell me what you think. It says, my toxic trait is knowing my body's check engine light is on and I'm still fucking driving around like, nah, I'll be fine. No truer words, at least in my case. Um, that really hits home. Is your check engine light on? And when your check engine light is on, what do you do? You keep pressing, you're on a long road trip, Or do you pull over? Do you go get that thing serviced? Do you get it checked out to make sure everything's going to be all right? And I think, I think that happens to a lot of us. I think our check engine light comes on and we don't believe it. The body's natural way of telling us, Hey man, something's not right with you. My check engine light was on for many, many years. And it took, it took me sitting in a room with a gun in my mouth, crying and slobbering on a pistol pulling the trigger with a live with a live round in the chamber to realize that maybe I should go get this thing checked out. Maybe I should go to a mechanic and and have a little maintenance done. At least get plugged up to a machine so they can tell me what's wrong. That's what it took for me. And I know I know why it took that. It took that because the culture that I was in at the time was unaccepting of anything less than tough. You had to be mentally and physically tough in the business that I was in and to show any sign of weakness. Well, that was just considered weak and you, you wouldn't be welcome into open arms into that brotherhood back then. You know, we, we talk about brotherhood and we talk about, I got your back, bro, this and that. But at the end of the day, it really wasn't like that. What the truth and the reality was is we had your back on the job, but when you were off the job, you were on your fucking own. When you clocked in for work, we got you. When we're at this firehouse or we're on this, this job as, as police officers, we can trust each other with our lives. But at the end of the shift, when we go home and we're off duty tomorrow, don't fucking bother me. You're on your own. And that's what it felt like when I was on the job. Um, I think we, we, we talked a big game. Uh, we pretended there was a lot of pretending going on the pretend brotherhood. And it's, Hey, I got your back. But in reality, I was struggling and all the signs, all the symptoms were there and nobody ever called to help. Um, nor did I call and ask anybody else if they were okay. So it worked. I mean, it works both ways. I'm just as guilty. And that was the culture. Back then, also, we didn't really understand the severity of post traumatic stress. We didn't even know that the letters PTSD existed. Honestly, we just we thought it was just part of the job. Hey, you see some shit, you handle some shit, and you need to, you need to be able to deal with the things that you see. And if if you can't if you can't handle what you see here, we don't need you. And that was a, a major uh, thing back then. I mean, how many of you right now listening to this? If you're on the job in the emergency services ever heard somebody say, if you can't handle what you see and what we do here, we don't need you. There's the door. And that is not the right mentality to have for this job. What it should be, it should be complete opposite. Hey, look, if you can't handle what you see here, what you experience here, we need to be able to help you because we need you. We can't do this job by ourselves. It takes a very special human being to want to be a part of the service that we do. So we don't need to start excluding everybody. Not everybody's built and cut from the same cloth. There's some people out there that can handle more than others. When I teach my course, I talk about, hey, this shit is not a trauma competition. Your trauma does not deserve more credit than somebody else's trauma exposure. Just because you were a part of this and a part of that and you saw a lot more than a lot of people, that doesn't make you some fucking, some warrior that needs to be put on a pedestal. What that makes you, what that What that makes you is someone who has a little bit of experience that hopefully you can help the people who haven't been there hopefully you won't put yourself on a trauma pedestal and instead you you present yourself as a father or a brother figure that can actually help those junior folks that are underneath you when their time of need comes but that wasn't how we did it not that wasn't how we did it back then what we do is we put ourselves on a pedestal and like boy you haven't seen shit and I'm guilty of this too I would knock younger guys for coming in that hadn't been exposed to anything, and I'd make fun of them when they see dead bodies and they see people without fucking heads or they see arms and or amputations and they get a little queasy. We start making fun of them. I remember we put a guy in a house one time with uh, that would, uh, the, the owner was eaten by his two dogs, and he was left there for two weeks, and the dogs were eating on him and the dogs were purple because all the blood had dried up on him. And we had a new guy go in there and he was, he was vomiting. He couldn't, he couldn't stomach what he was smelling and we busted his balls over it. We're making fun of him. And that's our way of dealing with things in this business, dark humor, but it's also called piling on. And I teach, I teach about that in my courses in post-traumatic purpose. There's a difference between busting balls and there's a difference between piling on. When I killed a guy, when I was 22 years old, I killed a guy in a house. And I won't, I won't get long winded in this is it in the book. And uh, I was actually a, a fucking fireman and I may have talked about this in the, in the in past episodes, but like I say, I forget some of the stuff I talk about, but the long story is this guy died because of the mistakes that I made on scene that night. And the first thing that happened when I showed back up to the firehouse after, after killing this guy, it wasn't, Hey, we got you, bro. It wasn't open arms. You weren't welcome to open arms you're welcome to extreme and harsh ball breaking to the point where it, may, it makes you not want to be there. And in a time like that, when we have these, these, uh, these young firefighters, these young paramedics, these young cops coming up underneath us, that's a time where it takes the one in the room that really has the biggest balls and tells all the others, hey, knock it the fuck off. This dude just killed somebody. Y'all calm the fuck down. What's your fucking problem? But that didn't happen. Because heaven forbid you were that guy that stood up to the group of hard motherfuckers. Heaven forbid you be that guy. But that guy didn't exist back then. Because back then, that would be considered weak. And that would be considered soft. And we'd eat your ass for lunch all day, every day, if you were that guy. And that's what we're trying to do now. We're trying to make a difference. We're trying to change that culture where, look, man, it's still okay to be hard. There's no problem with being hard. But there's also nothing wrong with being compassionate. You know, we go out on these emergency scenes. It's so crazy how we treat complete strangers and then how we com- how we treat our brothers, our so-called brothers and sisters. We'll go out and we'll give the stranger the utmost respect and attention and empathy during their time of need. And then we come out of the fire station and we won't give that same respect and empathy to our brothers and sisters who are struggling, or who, rec- who can't handle something. We make fun of them. We ostracize them and then they become labeled. And that's one of the biggest fears in this job is being labeled as weak or incompetent or just can't handle something because then people look at you as if you're a liability and nobody wants to work with you. So we bury it, we hide it, and then we end up killing ourselves later because we can't fucking take it. And we tell you something, burying this shit for so long does absolutely no good. It always, always, always comes to a head when you are experiencing stuff and you bury it, No good comes from it. I just got a call. Oh, I'm getting fucking fired up. Hang on. I just got a call today. As a matter of fact, a buddy of mine, um, a childhood friend, he calls me and he says, Travis, I wasn't sure who I should call. And I was like, well, whatever you got, man, I'll take the time. Let's talk. And he says, I don't know if you're going to have the answers or not, but I just didn't know who to call. And I said, well, what's going on, bro? And he told me his wife, his wife works for um, an EMS system." And he said, "His good friend is a retired EMS worker from up north. And just yesterday, had a fucking standoff with the police and wanted to die suicide by cop, the, para, or the, the retired guy, from the, the retired EMS guy had my friend on the phone telling him that he wanted to go out suicide by cop. The cops are outside getting ready to do whatever the fuck they had to do. And somehow I don't know all the details. I didn't ask him here's, here's a long and short story. It ended up ending peacefully. And you know why nobody heard about this? Because that's not the agenda. That's that's, this isn't fucking news, right? That story drowns out really quickly. This stuff happens all the time in our country in multiple jurisdictions around the country. I'm not saying standoffs, but cries for help from paramedics, from police officers, from firefighters, from spouses, cries for help happen all the time. And you don't hear about it because you only know about it when it happens to you. You only know about it when it happens close to home. Problem is with what I do now, I hear about this shit all the time. I'm sure some of you know about the guy, and uh, I'm not—I won't even say what state—but there was a firefighter who recently shot himself in the head, killed himself in the fucking bunk room while everybody was sleeping. Just pulled a gun out and shot and killed himself. I got a call not long ago about a police officer who drove into a um, drove into a police station and shot himself. I think it was with a shotgun. Shot himself right in the fucking heart with a shotgun. Drove his cruiser into it, and nobody hears about it. Everybody knows there's a uh, an epidemic of this shit going on. But it, nobody really believes it. Nobody really, nobody really believes it until it happens to them. Um, so anyway, my friend went on to tell me, he says, look, man, I think my wife is, is she's stressed out. She's been working nonstop 48 hour shifts for a long time now, because guess what? The EMS system is severely understaffed. Go fucking figure. Um, she told me that she thinks she needs, needs help, but doesn't really know. And so she hasn't gotten it. And I stopped him. And I was like, well, hold, hold tight. Why hadn't she gotten help? And he said, well, because she's unsure. And I said, bro, you just told me she thought she, she might need it. That right there is enough in itself to go get help. And here's how I explained it. I said, when your wife comes home, I want you to ask her something, ask her this question, ask her, Hey, if you were walking through the yard today and you twisted your knee and you knew it wasn't broken, you knew you probably didn't tear any ligaments. So you just toughed it out for a couple of days and then it kept hurting. What would you do? And then the light bulb went off. He goes, she'd probably go to the doctor. I said, exactly. Because she needs that fucking leg to work and to be able to provide for her family. The most important tool in our arsenal is our brain. And the most neglected tool in our arsenal is our brain. For whatever reason, it's almost like if we can't see it, we don't believe it, and that's that's the problem. That's that check engine light. Her check engine light is on, and of all things, this guy's a mechanic. Damn, I, didn't, I just put that together. He needs to plug her up to the machine. You got to get plugged up, man. You got to get plugged up because what's going to happen inevitably, you want any kind of longevity in the emergency services, in the military, in any career like that, you better get your head checked you're going to end up like me and you're going to end up getting forced out against your will when you don't want to go. You want any kind of longevity with your family, with your friends, you better get your shit checked and don't be too prideful. You're not strong enough to handle all of this shit. It's okay to ask for help. If you had a car if you're working, changing your fucking oil underneath and the car fell on you, guess what? You're not strong enough to move the car, but I bet you'd fucking ask for some help. That's what this is like. Nobody wants to ask for help because we're not good at asking for help. I don't understand why this is. I mean, I know why it is. It's the culture, but we're so good at providing help and we absolutely suck at asking for it. Fucking breaks my heart. Let me tell you something, man. I was just at my farm this week and I hurt my back really badly. And I think I've, I've told y'all before my back's all fucked up from, from the military, from being a cop and a fireman, all this stuff. Look, I'm not having a pity party. It is what it is. I don't spend a lot of time talking about my back, but it is, it is a crippling issue with me. I'm in severe pain a lot. And you want to know the problem? I haven't checked my check engine light. My body has over the years, The check engine light has come on so many times and I've neglected to take care of it. And that's why I'm at where I'm at today. I'm borderline fucking surgery candidate because I didn't do what it took over the years. And my back is at the point where it wants to completely go out on me. And I've let it get to that. And that's what happened to my brain with post-traumatic stress. That's what happened to me from all those years on the job from stuffing my shit down and not getting checked out. Your body has a way of telling you the stress buildup, the lack of sleep buildup, all of that, the, the addictions, the crutches that we use, the short fuses that we have, the hypervigilance that we display, the attitudes that we display. That's our mind trying to tell us, Hey dude, you check engine lights on, you're fucked up, pump the brakes, or you're going to ruin everything in your life that you had going for you. Nobody, I just got off of a a zoom conference. We're doing a, um, I can't tell you what magazine, but we're doing a, doing a cover for a magazine. And we're doing a story that I think is going to be extraordinarily powerful. Um, the young lady writing the article is very, uh, engaged with the message that I have. And she's asking all the right questions. She's actually very, very smart. And I'm the fucking opposite. And I told her, I said, look, I'm not going to have all the right answers to your questions. I said, but what you will get is no bullshit from me. And together we're going to have this article done and it will be out. I think in the February issue. And I can't tell you what magazine it is yet, but I'm excited about that because it's going to be mental health oriented and it's going to be on the tables of first responders all across this country. And it's going to be, on, um, devices of first responders all across this country, people that need help who necessarily don't even know it. Um, I am fired up today. I love this check engine light metaphor, man, because it's like, I'll, when my back starts hurting, my back started hurting me really badly yesterday or two days ago when I was at the farm, and I actually stopped. I go, something's not right. This thing is killing me. I'm not picking up another thing out here on this farm, another fence post. I was setting fence posts, and I said, I'm going to go relax. And I'm glad I listened to it, because for the last two days, man, I've been in excruciating pain, and I don't know how much, do it anymore if I would have done any damage. But that's the problem. I could feel that it was crippling me. And in our mind, When our check engine light is on in our mind, we just don't pay attention to it. I don't, I don't, I don't have the answers for it. I think that's above my pay grade. That's a sign. That's some, some scientific bullshit right there. But even when we're displaying all the red flags, we know something's not right, but we don't address it. And I don't know why I don't have the reasons. I know in my case, it was a pride issue. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of times it is a pride issue. Nobody wants to admit weakness. I saw this, I saw this fucking, Marine in the gym yesterday. And I wanted to pull him to the side and be like, the fuck is wrong with you? But then I realized I was like, dude, I was just like him. He was wearing that t-shirt Marine Corps pride motto. One of the Marine Corps mottos is pain is weakness, leaving the body. And I wanted to be like, no dude, pain is your check engine light. Yes. Your body's check engine light telling you to fucking stop. That is pride. That's all that is, is pride. And the Marine Corps, look, I love the United States Marine Corps. I will never speak against it. But the shit that they taught us when we were young was fucking crazy. I remember working through injuries because you didn't want to quit. You're too afraid to quit. You can't. And that whole pain is weakness leaving the body motto rang true back then because we were naive. We needed to be. You had to be. And now as an old ass man, dude, if I feel something hurting on me, I'm fucking stopping. You know what? Fuck pride. Pride don't pay my bills. You know what I mean? Pride, pride, you know what pride does? Pride puts people in the ground way too early. That's exactly what pride does. Pride will ruin your family. Pride will ruin your friendships. Pride will ruin your fucking career. Pride will ruin your body and leave you crippled on the floor. That's what pride will do. That back pain made me stop and think I was on the way home and I was like, you know, when I was, when I was at my, at my worst and I was feeling like I didn't want to be in this life anymore. And multiple times in my life, I've, I've had that feeling and multiple times in my life. I've been in those dangerous situations where I was ready to end it. And the, the, the thing is, is I was hurting just as badly, if not worse as my back was, it was just in a different way. You just couldn't see it. It was, um, it was an invisible wound, like they say. Uh, and that's the sad part because when I got home, I literally couldn't stand up and I, I crawled out of the car, not on my hands and knees, but I, I I would like my, I had my hands on my knees and I couldn't stand up straight. My daughters came out and their friends came out and their friends were over and they were like, Mr. Travis, what's wrong? And I'm maybe me. me, I'm like, Oh, nothing. Just fucking (laughs) playing it off. But something was wrong. My back was fucking going out on me. And everybody could see it. And you could immediately feel the empathy and the sympathy and the whatever else that ends in THY that people display. You could feel it. You could feel the concern. I walked inside. My daughter made me a glass of water. And she put some chips down on this tray and goes, Daddy, go sit in your chair. And I'm I'm like, God damn, how sweet is this little girl? But it's different. It's so different when your mind is fucked up and you display your injuries in, in different ways, and people just think you're an asshole, and people think you're harsh, and people think something's wrong with you. Well, you know what? God damn it, something is wrong. There's something very wrong. But people don't want to step up and help you. People don't want to step up and pull you to the side and be like, hey, bro, what's going on? You, you're completely different. Something Something has happened to you let me get you a glass of water and some chips and sit you in your favorite chair and sit down and fucking talk to you. But people don't do that. I just got off of that interview where I was talking about the brotherhood and I talk about the fake brotherhood that exists because we think it's cool on a t-shirt. We think it's cool on a bumper sticker. We like saying it. We put it in fucking hashtags, but are you really living the brotherhood? And I'd be willing to bet there's a very small percentage who really are. And what I mean by that is off duty, is when brotherhood really counts. Everybody can do the brotherhood on duty. It's easy. You slow, show up, you fucking slap five, you save each other's lives a couple times a fucking week. Everybody can do that. But where are you at three in the morning when your brother is, needs help and he is ready to fucking die because he can't take it anymore and he's sitting on the edge of the bed with a gun in his fucking hand and he has nobody to call. He's too afraid to call somebody for help because he's too afraid of what they may think. Where are you then? Chances are nowhere to be found. And the honest truth is most of the time, not all the time, most of the time when we're in these positions, when we're on the edge of the bed, three in the morning with that gun in hand, we've displayed a ton of red flags that nobody caught because either one, we're not educated on the red flags and we just don't know. Or two, we just don't give a shit because we got our own problems. I talk about this in my course that I teach. I displayed every single red flag a human being could display and nobody ever caught it. And the difference is we weren't educated on it back then. That's the only difference. We didn't know that there was a mental health epidemic. We didn't know that that was even a thing. We didn't even know that that was a problem. So when Travis was showing up to work drunk, when Travis is putting his own crew in danger on a daily basis, mind you, That was just normal. When Travis was disappearing off into the fires uh, that we would go to because I wanted to die, I wanted to burn up like my friends who had had perished before me, my nine buddies, I would just drift off into fires by myself hoping some catastrophic event that would happen while I was in there that it just never fucking happened. Um, It never took me. I was displaying every single red flag you could display. I was hitting people on duty. I was slapping grown men on duty. I was threatened to throw a fire academy instructor out of a five-story training tower one day in front of multiple people. I assaulted our um, training captain in the training tower. I assaulted other members of our fire department. and This isn't shit I'm proud of. This is all stuff that was happening right in front of other people, and nobody ever recognized it as a problem well, we know better. We do better. So we know better. Now we know better these days when we see shit like that. Hey, there's a problem and we need to address it. And so what, what, what should we do as a brotherhood? You address it, but then you check on that human being afterwards. You check on them on their off days. You know, they're fucked up. They're at their most vulnerable time in their lives. Off duty. Off duty is the most dangerous place for us. On duty, we're safe. We're doing what we love. We're with the people that we love. But off duty, we're alone. We're scared. We're isolated. And the worst part is we're usually fucking caught in our own minds, in our own memories. I did that episode not long ago where my friend Randy was asking me, why do you do all those things at your farm? You work so hard. And it's to escape my mind, bro. It's the shit that goes on up there. It's it's fucking scary. And I do it to not think about it. Because when I have too much time on my hands to sit around and think about all the stuff that I've experienced, it's pretty scary shit. And it just makes me, it makes me a dark person. And I don't want to be that way. I'd rather work all day, hurt my fucking back in a hundred degree weather. And then when my kids show up, I'm a happy dad versus sit around all day in the back of a fucking house. Like I'm doing right now, go to the dentist, get my teeth cleaned, sit around with no purpose in my life. And then when my kids get here, I'm fucking miserable dad. I'd, I'd, I'd much rather prefer the other. Pain is weakness leaving the body. That's some crazy shit. I talk about I talk about the Marine Corps and how they train you. You know, I got out. Obviously, I got out before um, before the Iraq War, or the Afghanistan War. I got out in two thousand. But I was still in the infantry, and the whole the whole motto of the infantry is locate, close with, and destroy the enemy. Everything they teach you in the infantry is how to kill people for four years straight. That's all. They, that's, 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 there's no other way to put this. Their only concern is can you go fucking hunt people and kill them? That's it. When we would answer questions, we would answer, instead of yes, sir, a lot of times we'd answer with kill, sir. That meant yes, sir. Hey, you having a good day, Marine? Kill, sir. Fucking good to go. And so as a young mind, when you have a young mind like that, and you're uh, for four years straight, these are the thoughts that are put in your head. And then you get out and you become a cop and you become a fireman and you're in that tough-ass culture where you're not allowed to show weakness because, hey, this is a man's, back then, this is a man's world kind of mentality and you better be a fucking lion if you're in this business. So anything that bothers you, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to show it. That's why it was hard for dudes like me and that's why it was hard for a lot of, um, I, I saw a lot of other grown men Very, very strong men that had problems and that would uh, end up with similar outcomes in their careers and their personal lives because they were so fucking strong that they tried to carry it and they tried to carry all of it and, and for too long it just bogged them down. I just said something in that interview when I was doing with that magazine. I didn't even realize I said it. I said, toughness got me to where I was, but toughness also brought me back. That mental toughness um, that I was, you know, one thing that I was always taught is the power of the human mind, how tough and resilient we really we really are as human beings. And, I mean, it is so true. You are exactly what you believe you are. And I always believed I was a lot stronger and I just, I got to the point of exhaustion, which is why I didn't want to be alive anymore. I was tired of carrying everything. I just didn't, I didn't want to let my peers down. I didn't want to let people down by letting them know like, Hey man, I can't carry this fucking weight because if I feel like a pussy and I would have rather died than to let somebody know that I was, I was having a weak, vulnerable moment because everything I'd been taught up in, up until that point in my life was the complete opposite was you're not allowed to feel that way. We would have guys that would go down with goddamn near heat strokes in the Marine Corps. And you know what they would do? They would pull their pants down and they'd shove this, what we call a silver bullet, uh, um, body thermometer up their asshole and check their core temperature. And we'd stand around and fucking laugh at them. Like, Oh, you just got butt fucked. That was our thing. And you didn't want to be the silver bullet candidate because now you were just that guy that likes going down. We actually would tease certain dudes because that would happen to some guys often. Some because the shit we did was rigorous as hell, in some of the worst conditions. And then we got to a point where like, dude, you just like getting fucked. Like that's all it is. You just like passing out and getting the silver bullet in your ass. And we were like, I bet if they if they turn that into a dildo, if they turn the silver bullet into a dildo, you ride that motherfucker, wouldn't you? <laughs> Instead of us pouring water on this fucking marine and actually having some kind of sympathy we'd make fun of. Them. That's just how it was. You were not allowed. I remember I broke my fucking foot. There's a so there's a bone in your foot. Now I'm probably gonna sound like a dumbass when I say this. It's called a sis I wanna say mole or sismolic or something. There's like this little bone in your foot. And I fractured it. And I was hurting so badly I could barely walk and I went to BAS which is a battalion aid station and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I walked in there and the head doctor, which is a Navy guy, right? He's in charge of infantry Marines. You're not allowed to be hurt and you're not allowed to be sick. And if you are, you're a pussy. So I walk in there and I was like, I'm having a very hard time walking. And he looked at me and he said, I think you're a malingerer. And a malingerer is someone who fakes an injury, right? And I've never been so insulted. Well, I have been insulted more than that. But when he said that, I was very prideful of being a Marine because I did the best job that I could. And I was like, what the fuck? Who is he calling him up? But he was an officer and I couldn't say anything. And he goes, I'm going to send you for an x-ray. But if I find out that it comes back negative, he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to have you brought up on malingering charges. And I don't know if he was bluffing or what, but I knew I was hurting. So he sent me for an x-ray come to find out my shit was broke. And I'm getting somewhere with this. It's so I come back. How about the doc apologize to me? And that's the first thing he said. He goes, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I accused you of being a malinger. We got to get you, we got to get you casted up and all this and, and get you healed up. So here's what happened. The same doctor ended up getting in my ass six weeks later when I had to get my cast uh, cut off. I had to get my cast cut off. And when I went in there, he was like, what in the fuck did you do to this cast? The cast wasn't even covering the part of my foot where the bone was broken anymore. So essentially the bone was like underneath my, um, my big toe or somewhere around in there. Well, the cast had been ripped off all the way back to my heel. So essentially I was wearing this big sock and it was a cast that went all the way up to my shin. It was a hard cast that went to my shin down to like my ankle. And I told him, I said, well, sir, I've been out running cause I didn't want to lose, um, lose anything off of my runtime. He goes, you've been running in a fucking cast. I said, yes, sir. And his malingerer thing stuck with me. And I didn't want him to think I was faking something. And where the culture we were in, you weren't allowed to be a pussy. You had to be hard as fucking nails or hard as Chinese arithmetic, whatever one you want to use. And so I would go out. He, and I remember he laughed. He goes, God damn it, I was going to write you up for malinger. And now I need to write you up for destruction of government property. But he laughed. He cut the fucking thing off. And my bone still hasn't healed. I still have problems with that, uh, with my foot. <laughs> Long story is you weren't allowed to be weak. Might get a long, long winded on this episode because I think this ties into exactly what I wanted to talk. Another thing I wanted to talk about, I got a, I got a suggestion from a dear friend who's in the fire service, he battalion chief. And he wanted me to talk about this, but. Honestly, I told him straight up, look, I said, dude, honestly, I'm not smart enough. I mean, I, look, I kn- I know what I am. I'm 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 a shit talker. And then and I, and that's that's what I am. I'm not good at uh very analytical stuff. But I'll try. All right? So this is my attempt at, at talking about this. He said, dude, he goes, we got a lot of people that we feel are faking um mental health injuries now because you can't trace it. And he goes, and the problem is it's pulling from our pension fund because these guys are getting pensions for it. And what's going to happen is years from now, our pension fund is going to be bled dry and guys who actually deserve their pensions aren't going to to get pensions. And so I went ahead. That's where I was like, look, I see what you're getting at, but I don't know if I'm the person to speak on that. Here's what I will talk about. I will talk about personal experience, right? Y'all know me. I don't come on here. I don't, I don't throw names around and I try not to bash anybody. But I don't give a fuck what you do in this life, what job you do. You're always going to have people that fake shit. You're always going to have people that get over on the system. They're always going to be there. It's not just with mental health. There's an injury in the, uh, I won't say what department, and I bet you a bunch of guys know this one. We always used to hear it when 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 we were coming up as young firemen, but it's called the golden back injury because the golden back injury is an injury to your back that you can't prove, and you would get your pension. And so guys will go out, they'd do their job, and instead of retiring in a straight time, they'd go out on the golden back injury and get more money because of the golden back injury. Well, I'm sure there were plenty of people that would fake that, all right? Here's the thing. How do you prove somebody's not having problems with the mental health aspect? How, who are we to say that this guy or this girl isn't validated with whatever experience they had. So when I teach my course post traumatic purpose, I talk about trauma exposure and how trauma is not a competition. I, as Travis Howes, may be able to handle more trauma than Joe Blow. Joe Blow may be able to handle more trauma as me. It affects us differently. You don't know what's happened in that person's life prior to them coming into. So let's just say you have a, a Iraq, Iraq or um, Afghanistan war veteran on the job. And all of a sudden we go to a car wreck where people are ripped to fucking shreds. And he's been fine up until that point. He's been to several calls that have been good. But now we go to a call where people are ripped to shreds. And he immediately takes him back to one of them fucking war zones he was in of an IED that exploded and blew apart his friends or either some civilians. You just don't know what that person's been exposed to. And all of a sudden he's having problems at home. He's drinking. He can't unlive that. Right? Because... He got away from it. He thought he had escaped that and left that shit overseas. And now it's back home and it's on him. Who are we to say that he can't be affected by that? And I think that's the problem you're going to have with, with those, um, so-called fake injuries. Now, do I think some, um, there's some, some out there that are just complete bullshit. Yeah. I know we had guys after our guys got killed, we had guys that were going out with, uh, with mental health injuries literally the next week, literally. And then we found out there were guys that were on fucking vacation who were not even on that call, who were going out and getting workers' compensation claims, getting disability, getting all this shit. And it's easy to sit back and judge, right? But who are we to say? who? I never, ever once bashed those guys because who was I to say that they were or were not affected. I just, I didn't feel like I was ever in that position. I mean, we can all have our opinions, I suppose, but you just don't know how certain events are going to affect people. Uh, now, rumor has it is that some of the radio transmissions were bothering some of the guys that weren't there. Uh, there were guys that weren't that were that weren't on the scene, that were on duty actually that night, and they ended up leaving the job um, for mental health reasons. Because they said they just couldn't listen to the radios anymore. And I understand that. I I get it. I mean, does it seem like that could be bullshit? I don't know. But again, I can't see inside somebody's mind. I don't know how it affects them. I do know this. I do know what it's like to rip apart your family. I do know what it's like to rip apart your own personal life because of the shit you've experienced and the exposure levels that you've had to certain things. And I wish that on nobody. And I would just hope that anybody that goes out on those kind of claims, it is legit. But that's just like anything else. Look, insurance. How about the people in the normal jobs that they'll they'll say, people that work at Lowe's that catch a back injury, and they're like, oh, I'm out with the back injury. And then they get caught faking it, and they're fucking playing in a goddamn minor league football team somewhere. I mean – Somebody was talking about uh, millennials in the fire service. And they were talking about how soft they are. And that was on my um, Instagram live. And I said, well, you know what, man? I actually defended millennials this morning. I said, you know what? I don't think they're soft. I don't think it's um, that all millennials are soft. I think we got a bunch of hard fucking millennials out there. I really do. Is if you look at who's been fighting the wars over the last 10 or 15 years, that's all millennial kids, man. They've been out there fucking crushing it and kicking ass, right? So high fives of them. Do I think there's a greater percentage of coddled millennials than there were my generation? Sure. Do I think there's a greater percentage of coddled my generation over my father's generation? Fuck yeah. And I think that happens generation to generation. I think each generation is getting a little bit softer. And this is why. Because we haven't had it fucking hard in this country in a long time. We haven't had tough times. We have known comfort for too fucking long. And that's why we seem soft. There's still very, very hard people out there. There's still very hard people of every generation out there. So I'm not saying the entire millennial generation is soft, you know, as I like to say, soft as rabbit pussy. I'm not saying that. But I do think we as a culture and we as a society have gotten soft because soft times breed soft people. Hard times breed hard people. There is, I mean, there's no truer statement. But I promise you this, I think when the time comes, I think all this bullshit, and and this is me leaning towards a political rant that I'm trying to stay away from, I think when all the bullshit comes and when shit really hits the fan, we're going to find out who's fucking who real quick. And I think all this pity pity any bullshit that you hear Americans complaining about and whining about and, and bitching about, it's going to stop. You don't hear these kids in Afghanistan complaining about this or that. You don't hear, um, the Iraqis complaining about this or that. You know why? Cause they got to fucking survive. They don't care about your goddamn feelings. That's just how it is. And when we get back to that, I think, I think all the bickering goes away. Hopefully we don't, I mean, I I don't, I don't hope that on us. I don't hope that we end up in that position because I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to see our kids anymore going off fighting fucking wars anymore. I realize as an older man, when I was young, I was like, yeah, man, you know, anything for this country, blah, 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 blah. But dude, this shit is so fucking crooked now that I don't, I don't believe anything I'm told anymore. That's why I don't watch the news. and, And you've, you've heard that on other podcasts. I just refuse to watch the news. I don't care what's going on in the world because two things. One, it's, it, it happened, but it's probably not as bad as they make it seem. Or two, it's just a complete fucking lie. So I don't know what to believe. So I don't watch it. Call to action time. What are you going to do? If you know somebody that's probably having problems, where are you at? You're going to be a leader. You're going to step up to the plate and you're going to check on them. I don't mean fucking text them. I mean, call them, listen to their voice, hear what they fuck, hear what they tell you, listen to what they're saying. And you make a determination if that person's all right or not. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But I promise you this. You'd be, you'd be surprised at what people are dying to tell somebody if they would just fucking ask. So if you know somebody that's struggling, I encourage you to pull them to the side and talk to them. I encourage you to not send some impersonal text message or a Facebook message with that bullshit. Buddy check. I'm doing a buddy check. Who Fuck you and your stupid... Goddamn virtual buddy check. Put your boots on and get in the fucking trenches. Actually make the calls. Have the conversations. And I don't mean do it over a beer. Don't go do it over a goddamn beer. That's the worst place to do your fucking buddy checks. That's the worst place to pull somebody to the side. Hey, let's go have some beers. That's what firemen and police do. That's what uh, fucking military does. Let's go have some beers. Let's go talk about the hard shit. And then when we're done, we go our separate ways. And then you're now fucked up, lonely, and drunk. Yeah. I would highly advise against that. I want you to know this. Just like my back pain right now, this back pain is temporary. It may last a while. It may last 10 more years. I don't know. But I know at some point it will stop. And I do know this when you're suffering through mental anguish, because I've been there too. That too subsides. The problem is when it's so intense that we, we get tunnel vision. We only feel that in that moment and we just want it to stop. And that's when we make stupid decisions. We make stupid decisions to end our lives based on the pain that we're feeling, based on the weight that's dragging us down, and we we just want it to go away. And we don't want to take another step with it. But if you keep stepping it out, I promise you, at some point you'll be able to put that weight down and be able to live the talk about it. Hopefully, you better help other people in the process when you do it. And hopefully... You'd be able to change your life and have a better outcome. I don't know who said it, but there's an old saying out there. And it goes, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Think about that. Don't get so caught up in the pain that you're feeling. Don't get so caught up in the weight that you're carrying. Don't get that tunnel vision like I once had. And put yourself in a position to where you end it all. Because there's so much more out there for us to experience. I'm so thankful that I realized that just in the nick of time. I'm, I'm so thankful that I was able to just hang on just a few more fucking minutes. Because so many blessings have come my way since that day. So many wonderful things that... I mean, I wouldn't trade for anything and that's all out there for us. This, the, the, the world is your oyster kind of thing. It really is. You can create something from nothing. So when you feel broken, you feel like you have nothing, Hey, get to work because you can create something from that. And I cannot wait to hear and see what you've created, especially if you create it from nothing. I'm in your corner. I know you guys can do it. Go kick some ass. Thank you for the support. I love y'all.